Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Something to note. Like most myths, there are multiple interpretations of Amaterasu's stories that vary in detail. Japanese mythology in particular is vague, with a huge variety of details shifting and changing from source to source. We've collated the most popular versions into a dramatic and exciting format, but if you do your own research, you may find some discrepancies between our version and other stories. Consider this one more evolution of the story. One day in ancient Japan, the sun goddess was so upset so disrespected that she decided she would no longer shine. The world was plunged into eternal night. Crops wilted and people shivered and froze. The gods were confounded, thousands of deities at a loss. How could this have happened? Then they realized the horrible truth. The sun goddess, Amaterasa, the most beautiful and radiant of them all, had closed herself off in a cave. Fine. Susano can do whatever he wants. He can flood the entire world for all I care. Let father tell the humans that their precious rice won't ever grow again. It's their problem now. I don't need them. I'm all the company I need. Come out! Amaterasa, come out! Open it! Come out! We need you! Amaterasa, Go away! If nobody cares to put a leash on that wild brother of mine, there's no use in me doing anything! Her brother, Suzano, had disrespected her creations one time too many. Now she would leave the rest of the gods to clean up the mess. Amaterasu had fled the world and would never shine again. Welcome to Mythology on the Parcast Network. Every week we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. Today we're focusing on the Japanese goddess Amaterasa Omikami. Amaterasa is the goddess of the sun and is considered the most well-known member of the Japanese pantheon. 
Japan's translated name, the land of the rising sun, and the red sun on the Japanese flag both refer directly to Amaterasu. We'll detail her birth and how she fits into the creation of the world, her clashes with her brother Suzano, and how in a fit of anger, she deprived the world of sunlight. At Parcast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. We also now have merchandise. Head to parcast.com slash merch for more information. The first written origins of Amaterasu and most of the Shinto gods come from a book called Kojiki, or Records of Ancient Matters. Kojiki is the oldest Japanese book, written by Ono Yasumaro around 712 AD. The book was intended to be a complete history of Japan until that point. Since it was commissioned by Empress Genmei, the 43rd monarch of Japan, it may have also been intended as a way of telling her rivals how important she and her family are, since most Japanese royalty claim to have been descended from gods. Prior to Kojiki, Amaterasu's stories would have been passed down through oral traditions. Thus, the precise history of her origin is unknown. While Shintoism contains a diverse pantheon, Amaterasu is considered to be the principal deity. Shintoism centers around elusively defined beings, known as kami. Kami, in a simplified sense, are the energy of the universe— there are kami of the mountains and rivers, ancestral kami, and kami of the underworld. Some kami are malignant by nature, some are pure and good. Kami are the individual spiritual essence of all things. Amaterasu is categorized as one of the kami that resides in the heavens and watches over the land of mortals. The Western world might dub her a god, though Amaterasu and her siblings are far from perfect beings. They're emotional and reactive, bickering amongst each other at the behest of humanity. This behavior, however, can perhaps be better understood by the traumatic events that led to their birth. The creation myth of Shintoism begins with Konito Kotach and Amenomi Nakanush, two of the primordial forces of the universe that emerged to form a formless chaos. Then came seven generations of gods, each more perfect than the last, until Izanagi, the exalted male, and Izanami, the exalted female, were formed. Izanagi and Izanami resembled humans, and most artistic interpretations present them that way, Izanagi and Izanami fell in love and produced the islands of Japan as well as thousands of deities, or kami, together. Each of these kami represented a building block of nature, the sea, the trees, and the mountains. However, when Izanami gave birth to Kagutsuchi, the god of fire, there were complications. Kagutsuchi, in his birth, had inadvertently burned Izanami to death. Izanami was sent to Yomi, the underworld. In a rage, Izanagi drew his sword, 
and slew his son, creating eight more gods from his remains. <laughs> Izanagi was devastated, but not deterred. He would save his love and continue to build upon their divine creations. The exalted male followed his lover into Yomi. The place was not all too different from the land above, except for a horrible and suffocating darkness. He felt as though it was biting into him and sucking away his energy as he tentatively stepped forward through the unfamiliar terrain. He finally found Izanami sitting in this pitch darkness. He could see the perfect outline of her silhouette and breathed a great sigh of relief that she was unharmed. Izanami, I have come for you. We must leave this dark land at once. Oh, Izanagi... Oh, my love, if only you had come sooner, we could have left together. But now I have eaten the food of this place and I must remain. Remain? Surely there must be a way. I have traveled many miles to see that you come home. Perhaps, well, perhaps I could ask the lord of this place. Wait here, my love. I won't be long. But it is very important that you wait and do not come for me. And whatever you do, you must not look at me in this place. If you do... Izanagi realized his wife had walked away, and her voice was swallowed by the cavernous darkness. Izanagi waited and waited. There was no light coming from any direction, no sound, as though even the sound of footsteps were absorbed. The abyss of Yomi gnawed at Izanagi's sanity. Uh, I come all this way and what does she say? Wait here. <laughs> Wait here for what? For darkness and then more darkness? Bah! He paced and whispered to himself, trying his best to keep the crushing feeling of isolation at bay. Finally, he snapped, and the words of his wife's warning dissolved into insignificance. Izanagi pulled a comb from his long hair, broke off a tooth of the comb, and summoned fire so it lit like a torch, illuminating the room. He charged forward further into Yomi until he came upon a room. Without hesitation, he burst through the door. Ah, wait! You mustn't look! There before him was Izanami. His beautiful wife was now a rotting corpse, her body was covered with maggots, and terrible beings resided in her skeleton. Her dead eyes stared up at him, furious. I told you, I told you, you mustn't look. Now we shall both be doomed forever. Izanami rose to her feet and summoned the beings that lived in her bones, as well as several decrepit old hags, to descend upon Izanagi. The exalted male fled, creating diversions for the pursuing abominations by leaving food in his path. But then Izanami came for him too, and she was not to be so easily deterred. Izanagi reached the boundary of Yomi just ahead of his wife and sealed off the entrance with a huge boulder. <sighs> Izanagi could still hear Izanami on the other side. He hung his head and held his hand to the boulder, imagining she was doing the same. 
For a moment, he felt as though they were able to share this great sorrow. You shall regret the Sisanagi. Keep breathing life into the pathetic mortals. I will claim the lives of a thousand every day. Then I will create a thousand and five hundred. And so the cycles of birth and death came into existence, forever to be balanced by the one-time lovers. Izanagi, covered in the filth of Yomi and distraught at the loss of his wife, needed to purify himself. So great was his emotion that as he shed his clothing, each article he dropped formed a new deity. He waded into a river, knowing in his heart that he couldn't manage creation on his own. The mortals were already multiplying. He needed help, and his wife was lost to him. But when Izanagi washed his face, the help appeared. Amaterasu, the radiant sun goddess, fell from his left eye. Sukuyomi, the powerful moon god, fell from his right eye. Then, when Izanagi blew his nose, Susano, the temperamental god of storms, was born. Izanagi saw that these three children would be the key to overseeing creation. Representing the sun, moon, and weather, the trifecta would be responsible for the most fundamental cycles of life and nature. He looked upon his children with pride. Tsukiyomi, with your subtle grace and dark charm, I bestow upon you the land of the night. It is now your responsibility. I shall watch over it with the utmost care, Father. Susano, with your fervent passion and powerful will, I gift you the land of the seas. It is now your responsibility. The water. What a fantastic gift, Father. Amaterasu, your brilliance is the greatest of all beings. Your heart is pure and your mind is sharp. Take my necklace, made of the fine jewels of creation, and wear it as you watch over the plain of high heaven. That land is now under your stewardship. Oh, Father, it's wonderful. Just wonderful. Truly a gift that I deserve. Does something displease you, Susano? Pretty girls batting their eyes and getting whatever they want displeases me. What was that? Nothing, Father. It shall be as you say. And so, Amaterasu, the sun goddess, who some called the most brilliant creature to ever exist, took stewardship of the heavens and began to craft some of the most incredible creations the world had ever seen. After the tumultuous breakup of Izanagi and Izanami, things finally seemed at peace, and they would have been, if not for the hot-headed Susano, who was far from happy with the domain his father gave him to rule. Coming up, we'll take a look at the tense relationship between the three divine siblings. Now, back to the story. The story of Amaterasu's birth sheds light on some unique aspects of Japanese mythology, mainly the relationships within the pantheon, which are fairly loosely defined. While Izanami didn't directly give birth to Amaterasu or her brothers, she's generally considered their mother. Amaterasu and Tsukuyomi are brother and sister, but they are also married, 
following the lead of their parents, Izanagi and Izanami. We also have to remember that mythology exists to teach us lessons, either about how the world works or how the world should work. While we glossed over some parts of the story of Izanagi and Izanami, the basic themes resonate, valuing life over death, death being associated with darkness, deception being cleared away by light. There's also the presentation of Izanagi, the male, as the valiant hero, and Izanami, the female, as a deceptive monster, which had patriarchal implications that resonated for generations to come. There are parallels to other creation stories, notably Adam and Eve, with a fallen woman trying to tempt a man, although in Adam and Eve's case, Adam ended up falling with her. In the same way as her origin myth, Amaterasu's other stories are designed to teach us lessons. While her eventual isolation in the cave is a more complex tale, her falling out with Tsukuyomi, the moon god, has a more basic lesson. Amaterasu, the goddess of the sun, and Tsukuyomi, the god of the moon, married quickly after their birth and lived together in heaven. It was an infinite landscape of pristine forests, snow-covered peaks, and beautiful architecture. But the new couple outshone any beauty that heaven had to offer. You are more radiant than a glistening pool of the purest water on a hot day. And you are as fortified and lush as a mountain and as vibrant and alive as the fire beneath it. You are the dewdrops of the morning, cool and fragile, gracing all life with your nourishing presence. You are the fog in the night, mysterious and rich with hidden secrets. Your beauty surpasses the blooming fields of lavender and the pillowy clouds of the heavens. You're right. I am that beautiful. <laughs> oh, Sukiyomi, I could listen to you compliment me all day. Oh no, I forgot. I promised Ukemochi I'd visit her for dinner. Ukemochi? Why should you entertain yourself with such a lowly god as that? Remember what father said, live in harmony with the other gods in nature, bring our radiance to the entire universe, etc., etc. I suppose. I wish you the best of luck returning from your dinner with dignity. It's just... I just have so much work. These mortals are ever so demanding, and you know how they pine after my favor? It's exhausting trying to keep up with them. Amaterasu, my love. If it weren't for you, I would be only the guardian of the night and nothing more. I shall go to this dinner in your stead. You would? Sukoyomi, your nobility surpasses even your grace. It is only a single dinner. And with the goddess of food supplying the meal, at least I shall return with a full belly. My gratitude extends beyond the oceans. But you must remember, Sukiyomi, to bring with you your best behavior. Our reputation is at stake. Tsukuyomi journeyed down to Earth and found Ukemochi, the goddess of food, waiting on the coast of the ocean. She had set a huge table fit for a feast. As he entered the hall, he committed Amaterasu's words to memory. He would be on his best behavior. Tsukiyomi, dear boy, I was not expecting you. It's just like you having dwellers to drop by unannounced. Now I'll have to make more food. Tsukuyomi bristled. 
He was no boy. He was the god of the moon, lord of the night. He forced himself to breathe deeply and swallowed his pride. Divine Ukemochi, Amaterasu sends her apologies. She was unable to get away from- Divine, says the pretty boy. Divine indeed. You heavenly gods and your hogwash titles. <laughs> so, Amaterasu tricked you into coming, eh? She didn't want to dine with old Ukemochi? Bully for you to be stuck here with me. I assure you that it is a great honor. Spare me the formalities, pretty boy. I'm not like the prissy deities where you come from with a stick up there you know where. I am the goddess of food. I live for one thing and one thing alone, and that is eating to your heart's content. Tsukuyomi seethed silently. This vile goddess was not only insulting him, she was insulting his friends and the love of his life. He steeled himself. It was just one dinner. The god of the moon could handle a few petty insults. We might as well get to it, boyo. I'll give you a meal you won't ever forget. Watch and learn from the goddess of sustenance. <laughs> Uke Mochi leaned over the serving dishes, opened her mouth, and vomited out hundreds of fish and sea creatures, prepared and ready to be eaten. Oh, my God! How can you- Looks delicious, eh, pretty boy? And that's just the seafood course. Just wait till I whip up the main dish. Tsukuyomi sprang from his chair in disgust, but Uke Mochi wasn't done. She parted her robe, dropped her undergarments, and squatted to produce wild deer, cows, and other meats right onto the table. For our listeners, we do take the occasional liberty with our interpretations of mythology. This is not one of them. I cannot believe this is happening. <laughs> Delicious looking, is it not, pretty boy? I know you lust for the delicacies of the food goddess. I can see it in your eyes. The ravenous hunger. Dive in, pretty boy. I know you want it. Uke Mochi stood over Tsukuyomi, blinded by disgust, by rage, by shame. Tsukuyomi stood, unsheathed his sword, and stabbed Uke Mochi in the chest. She fell to the ground, dead in an instant. Tsukuyomi calmed down, returned to heaven, and went to Amaterasu, ready to plead his case. He knew that Amaterasu would be angry, but being honest and forthright made up the very core of his nature, so he related the tale to the sun goddess, telling her of the obscene insults, of the complete disregard for custom, and of the disgusting presentation of the food. By the end of it, he relayed the killing with something more akin to pride than shame. Amaterasu's radiance flickered just for a moment. This is the end of us, Tsukuyomi. Amate- You are unfit to serve as my husband! You are an evil god, and we shall never occupy the same space again! Go! Be gone! Repent for your crimes! I'm sorry, Tsukuyomi. I'll always care for you, but I have a reputation to maintain here. I will never love you again. And so Tsukuyomi left, banished by Amaterasu, 
That night, after the sun went down, the moon rose for the first time, and as it left the sky in the morning, the sun reappeared. Amaterasu and Tsukuyomi would indeed never occupy the same space again. Amaterasu then journeyed down to Ukemochi's hall, where she found the kami's body. <sighs> Amaterasu found the flayed goddess, but blood did not spill from her wounds. Rather, grains of rice, vegetable seeds, and beans puddled on the ground below. Amaterasu gathered these things and brought them to the mortal realm. There she planted fields and showed humanity how to cultivate the harvest. Such was the way of Amaterasu. Even in the most tragic and emotional events, she would find a way to bring goodness and profit to the world. Her heart was gentle, and she cared deeply for humanity, singing with joy when civilization prospered and suffering greatly through difficult times. However, it was this sensitivity and softness of heart that would nearly bring about the end of the world. Coming up, we'll hear about the turbulent feud between Amaterasu and her youngest brother. Now, back to the story. The handful of divine kami, those that occupy the land of the heavens, share a particularly human quality. In short, they're sensitive. They're considered to have two souls, a nigi mitama, a gentle soul that responds to praise with gifts and favors, and an ara mitama, an assertive soul that rains down destruction and anger if a god is disrespected or displeased. Shinto mythology is filled with gods who are fickle, bickering and reactive, and that's because those traits are part of their very being. In no god is this destructive, emotional personality more apparent than in Susanoo, Amaterasu's youngest brother. While Tsukuyomi and Amaterasu were born from Izanagi wiping his eyes, the god of storms, Susanoo, flew out when his father blew his nose. As you might imagine, Susanoo's ignoble birth gave him a bit of an inferiority complex. If I may not live amongst the divine in heaven, then why should these pathetic mortals thrive? Do not blame me for the destruction of your rice fields. Blame my father who was so cruel as to bring me into this world. Oh, don't be so dramatic. You have another field of rice growing over there. <laughs> Wait, never mind. <laughs> Susano would come down from heaven and wreak havoc on mortals, summoning storms and tornadoes and watching the destruction. Japan is a constant target for storms and hurricanes. In an agrarian society, inclement weather was always a cause for fear. This may be where Susano's characterization as a violent trickster manifested. The mortals would constantly worry when he appeared. But Susano was more grief-stricken than anything. He felt his older siblings got far grander domains than he, and that his father, Izanagi, was unjust. He wished desperately he could consult with his mother, Izanami, who was sure to be more forgiving. So he wept and wept. 
His grieving shook the world, and all the kami felt greatly annoyed at his noisy blubbering. Susano! Susano! Y yes father Come up here. Now. Of course, father. After hearing the cries of his son and the suffering of the mortals, Izanagi called Susano up to heaven. Susano was met at the entrance by his father. <sighs> Why do you weep, son? It's just... I just... I want to see mother. Izanagi stood silently and studied his blithering son. Your mother? Yes. In the land of the dead? Susano stood up straighter and with more confidence. He felt that this was his chance. Yes, in the land of the dead. You have prevented us from knowing her for too long. It is time that I go to the land of the dead. Then go. Go? Go to the land of the dead and do not return. You are hereby banished from the heavens for the selfish destruction you have brought upon the world. Banished? Father, you cannot! You said you wished to meet your mother. She will be expecting you. What do you mean? I'm going down there? To Yomi? It will be a great fit for you. Whatever misery you bring will blend right in. Father, please! Despite Susano's pleas, Azanagi stayed resolute. Susano looked upon the heavens, Amaterasu's domain. Perfect, bright. It was his home too, and it was being taken away from him, replaced by the miserable, filthy darkness of Yomi. Susano's grief quickly transformed into fury, and it stormed inside him as he turned away to journey to the underworld. But that fury soon turned into a plan. At least let me say my goodbyes to Amaterasu. She's my sister. She can never journey down to Yomi to see me. Let me wish her the best, and I will go. Amaterasu is busy at her loom. She has many important creations to attend to. I won't keep her long. Izanagi stepped aside and allowed Susano his last request to say farewell to Amaterasu. Susano had other plans beyond a polite goodbye, though. He knew he was not only equal to Amaterasu, but also was pure of heart, and he would prove it. Amaterasu sat with her attendants in her weaving hall, a huge and elegant space filled with the threads of existence. As the mortal realm constantly decays and dies, it requires care and upkeep. If a flower wilted, Amaterasu would weave a new bulb. The more destruction inflicted upon the realm, the harder Amaterasu would work. Anytime Susano ripped holes in the fabric, Amaterasu would have to sew them back up. It was a tremendous responsibility and made Amaterasu a beloved and vital god. This was something she was all too aware of. So, I'm sitting there watching them try and build a fire, and they're shivering, complaining to the skies in desperation, begging me to return with my incredible and warming light. Wow! wow. 
and one poor sad mortal keeps striking his knife against a rock, trying to make a spark to absolutely no avail. And Suratoko, the dullard, wanted to go down and show him which rock would actually light a fire. Such a fickle and short-sighted plan, I thought. Incredible! Then, he finally throws himself on the ground, and he's crying and shivering and yells, Amaterasu, help! So I go pull a thread and poof. And I made the sun shine down on all of them. Like it's noon in the middle of the night. And it was so bright that the man with the knife went blind. Laugh. (laughs) Someone is at the door. (gasps) Well, who is it? Out of my way! Ah, dear sister, how do you fare this fine afternoon? I was wrong. It turns out no one was at the door. Dear me, I see that your wit has not been drowned amongst your endless virtues. Though I have come bearing news that will surely delight you. Father has banished me, and today shall be the last day we look upon each other. Fantastic. Anything else? I thought we could talk before I left. God to God, bury the sword. Amaterasa had a sense that Susano was preparing for something nasty. She set down her weaving and drew herself up to her full radiance. She tied her hair in a warrior's knot and summoned her bow. On her back, she donned a quiver with a thousand arrows. Around her arm, she tied a band to protect her from the mighty force of her bowstring. She stepped hard with one foot and then the next. They dug into the stone floor with ease, and she took up an aggressive fighting stance. Her attendants shrank away in awe, while Susano stood his ground. God to God. Susano, I grow crops with my light, and you rain all over them. You block out my warmth with your freezing storms. The mortals don't even fear you. They hate you. You're a blustery, blowhard child. You're not a god. Now, tell me true. Why have you come here? Susano stayed defiant. He expected this from Amaterasu, and he knew her weakness, vanity. A simple contest, dear sister. All I ask is for a contest to prove your strength and test my purity. If you win, I'll tell every lost soul in Yomi that you are the truest deity of them all. You'll have the love of the entire underworld forever. And in the extremely unlikely scenario where you win? Then you treat me as an equal for my last day in heaven. Amaterasu smirked. This would be a simple matter. It was just Susano. She was the adored sun goddess. How hard could it be to beat him? The hall was cleared and the contest began. So, this is a contest of creation. Whoever creates the most men wins. First, we each need something from the other person, an important object. All things I touch are important. Do you still have that sword from when you were little? Maybe. Hand it over. Amaterasa looked over Susano's sword, and with two quick tugs, Amaterasa broke the sword into three pieces. 
then, with a breath of life and a puff of sun, turned the broken sword into three men. Amaterasu smiled wide at her creation and knew that Susano couldn't best her. Susano desperately looked for an object which he could use to create life. Amaterasu had done well. This would take an extraordinary amount of energy. Amaterasu, give me that necklace. Amaterasu reluctantly handed her ornate necklace to Susano, and with fingers as fast as lightning, broke the necklace into five pieces. He summoned water and threw the pieces into the pool. And then five women crawled out, fully formed. Amaterasu was stunned, and Susano laughed uproariously. He had made five and she had only made three. Aha! Truly a deserved victory! You shall go and tell father of our arrangement at once! What are you talking about? You lost. But I made more than you! You made five women. You said it was a contest for making men. Do you pay attention when you talk? Men as in mortals! Besides, you made them from my necklace. That's a part of me, so technically I made the most. That's cheating! You cheated! I won the contest of creation, and now, as an honorary god, you must admit defeat! That's not how I see it. That is not how the gods will see it. They will never believe that such a whiny, blubbery thing like yourself could best my beautiful radiance. Spare yourself the shame, Susano, and leave this land forever. Susano and Amaterasu stood at an impasse. Susano's winds whipped up. Amaterasu's light pushed back. Go! Seal yourself in Yomi and leave my land untouched! Never come through this door again! Light and wind clashed. The walls of the weaving hall shook. Heaven itself was trembling. On Earth, the sun peeked through storm clouds, and the mortals wondered at what was coming. What would happen next is one of the defining moments of all of Japanese mythology. Next week, we'll visit the fallout of this divine competition and learn what led Amaterasu to seal herself away in a cave. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back next Tuesday with part two of Amaterasu. You can find more episodes of Mythology, as well as all of ParCast's other podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or your favorite podcast directory. Several of you have asked how to help us. If you enjoy the show, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at Parcast Network. We'll be back next week with another epic tale. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Michael Langsner, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, Maggie Admire, Paul Mahler, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Mythology was written by Alex Switsky. The amazing cast of voice actors include Jerry Courtney Austin, Kimberly Holland, Harris Markson, Alastair Merton, Dan Velasquez, Jen Wong, Kimlin Tran, 
Albert Park, and Drew Lawn. Mythology stars Vanessa Richardson. <laughs>